0: what's up friends before we hop into the show i gotta tell you about the green solution which has 17 colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible so get on your phone right now go to their website mygreensolution.com order your flower concentrates edibles and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup and make sure to use that magical code dnvr20 to receive 20 percent off your entire purchase all right mace let's hop into the show Welcome into the DNVR Broncos podcast on this magnificent holiday victory Monday. Boy, we just got it all here. What a fantastic day. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. Before we hop into the show, I gotta tell you about Strava Craft coffee. You guys know the deal with this delicious coffee, delicious CBD. You get all the benefits of CB- CBD. Helps with aches, pains, migraines, headaches, sore, anything that's going on with your body, CBD can help with. So make sure you check out Strava Craft Coffee to get a delicious cup of coffee and to help anything that's going on with your body. And when you do, use that magical code again, DNVR20, and you'll receive 20% off. Mace, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great. You know what? Not everybody may dig the... 65 degree christmas week weather (laughs) i'm loving it we're both we're both loving it makes you're rocking the hawaiian shirt which i love i'm rocking shorts right now i may have to change into shorts after (laughs) this thing is done because i think you have the right idea and these days on which you can wear shorts in december they are exceedingly rare i think i saw uh from chris bianchi uh, a local weather guru and former sports writer here in the market that Something like the first time that Denver's been 65 and above for three consecutive days in December, like maybe. Wow! 10. Wow! Well, at least since they've been recording this, this stuff's going back to, I believe, the late 19th century. So <laughs> that's pretty good. That's not bad. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. I, I'm I, I I would take this anytime. This weather, this is the kind of Christmas weather to which I'm accustomed. Right down south. Mm-hmm. Sometimes even warmer than this There have been some Christmases in Florida where it's been in the 80s That's a little too much, but this is about the
0: right <laughs> level So Mace, I have a few other questions for you to start off this podcast I am upset that I didn't ask yesterday But how
1: was Star Wars? Star Wars <laughs> was generally good
0: Gen Okay
1: Um, I don't want to be putting spoilers out there
0: Fair, fair
1: but there were some threads left dangling that I wanted to see tied. Wasn't this supposed to be the last one? Of this saga, yes. Maybe they're thinking that there's going to be a Disney Plus series coming out of this. I don't know.
0: Mm. There's
1: money to be made.
0: Oh, certainly. As we're
1: seeing in the Star Wars galaxy. So it was enjoyable, but I would say this. It's enjoyable in part because of what has been established in previous movies. So where a lot of the emotional resonance came was in the echoes back to earlier movies in the saga. Okay. So I think one thing that some of the critics got wrong about it was kind of taking this movie as as sort of a standalone and the reality is how you feel about it should be tinged by your reaction and affection for the movies that came before it in the series. Right. So – that and that's – and it's building off of that. And
0: So for a true fan, it was better yeah. than for just a, someone that went to see a movie.
1: Right, and I would say this. I know that there are some critics that are saying the movie is, quote, fan service, unquote. Isn't that what – movies in a saga in a franchise should be serving your fan base serving your customers yeah absolutely i think broncos fans got good fan service sunday (laughs) that's what you're supposed to do right they certainly did exactly and speaking of
0: the broncos and on sunday mace what are we about but 14 hours removed from being on this podcast last time i gotta ask you after getting a good night's sleep Thinking about Star Wars, thinking about the game, have your feelings about Drew Locke changed? Are you sold on him? Do you not need to see
1: Sunday anymore? I said five <laughs> games. I'm sticking with five games. You know, I appreciate the sentiment and the warmth behind it, but the more people say, get on board, get on board, the more I'm going to dig in and say, no, I'm going to wait and see. And again, and you know, bottom line is this. That is a terrible team that the Broncos beat yesterday. Mm -hmm. The Lions are the worst team the Broncos have seen. At least that iteration of the Lions. If Matthew Stafford is healthy, I think it's a completely different game, completely different flow, completely different outcome. And, frankly, if you're a Detroit fan and you don't appreciate Matthew Stafford now, get your head examined. (laughs) Yes. Because... He's basically Archie Manning for the 21st century. Mm. I like that. Great quarterback on a bad team. That is the only thing separating it from a complete disaster, which is what the Lions have been for most of the season. They've been a disaster since he went down non-competitive. If not for the 64-yard punt return by Agnew, it's not a close game. I mean, I hate to play this game, but if you – have normal punt coverage, a normal punt, and, you, well, normal for an average NFL punter. And <laughs> Devontae Booker doesn't drop that pass on third down in the first quarter. I think this game, it's not close. Yep. So, Drew Locke, I'll credit him for managing the game and executing the game plan well. If the Broncos had lost, I think we'd be sitting here talking about the cautious game plan. Yep, that was had a few spices thrown in like the fourth and one uh, handoff to Andrew Beck pitch out to Philip Lindsay. But still, it was not a game plan that was going to push down the field very often. We saw a deep shot to Cortland Sutton in the second quarter, but it wasn't something where they were trying to uh, spread around and uh, open it up. This was a. Let's control the pace of the game. Let's grind it out at times. Let's try to establish the run because the Broncos had struggled to get going on the ground in the previous weeks, and they did snap that streak of games without going over 100 yards, so that's a positive. But I said five games on Drew Locke. I'm sticking with it. And even then, what I'm saying is him for next year. He's year to year. Fair and and
0: Mace, that's fair. I was just
1: teasing yeah, you. I, I wasn't I pushing you down the road.
0: But one of the things you said was very interesting, and it reminded me of something that we didn't talk about yesterday, but that was important in this game plan. Drew Locke, after the game, said that the Broncos, the game plan going into the game was to take big shots, big shots, big shots left and right all the time in this game. That was the game plan. That they had designed from Monday up until Sunday during the game because they thought Detroit was going to play a lot of man. Well, the game comes around and the Lions are playing a ton of zone against them. So they immediately changed their entire game plan on the offensive side of the ball to say, okay. We're not going to gunsling our way down the field. We're just going to dink and dunk and take what the defense is giving us. And if you, you, you can't go broke if you're taking a profit, as Drew Locke would say. And so that's kind of what they did. And to me, that may be the most encouraging thing that happened yesterday because that's on so many different levels. That's Rich Scangarello saying, whoa, okay, we have to adjust Right away. We're not going to wait for the halftime adjustments. We're not going to wait till fourth quarter to adjust. And we're not just going to go with this game plan because that's what we had coming in. So I love that he adjusted on the fly. I love that Drew Locke was clearly able to execute that. Mace, he only threw for 193 yards, one touchdown, zero picks, and that magical number,
1: 75 percent completion Well, it rounds up to 76 which, <laughs> okay,
0: okay as you
1: said it's 75.75.75 <laughs> <75. laughs> but yeah give him a little credit there <laughs> <laughs> wow you just said 75 three times in a row without doing it the fun way it's because it's i had a, something sad... in my throat i was <laughs> i didn't want to cough my way see <laughs> you don't want a cough button here, like on the radio, that's right? There. there we go. Right. That's
0: what I'm looking for. I'm also, little, I'm also a little sleepy right now. So, and uh, and I, I won't make you do it again. But that's that's perfect execution by Drew Lock and Vic Fangio had to sign off on it. Also, I just I absolutely loved that that happened to the Broncos. And yes, it did happen against a bad team. But at least they took what they were given. They adjusted. And they executed it perfectly. Perfect is a bold word. They did well. They they, they did, did well. They did very well because even with being conservative and dinking and dunking, they put up over twenty five points. And Mace, how about this? In Drew Locke's four starts, the offense, as you detailed yesterday, has averaged what twenty seven points a game.
1: Uh, if, you 20. if you take out the right. Kansas City game, and if you the keep other that games, in. It's, if you include all the games, including the Chiefs game, it's twenty one points per game from the offense. The other three in more benign weather conditions, it's 27.0.
0: Right. And in those four starts, we'll take them all. Drew Locke has scored over twenty five points two times, fifty percent of the time. It took the Broncos before Drew Locke was the starter. It took them twenty seven games to get two times where they scored over 25 points. 27 games! And Drew Locke's done it twice in his four games. That, that to me, is just massive, massive improvement. And Mace, kind of on this topic, something that, that Ryan and I talked about after the pods were done last week was, he asked me the question, how much do the Broncos need to win by for you to feel confident In this win, and because you've detailed so many times just how bad this Lions team is, were you satisfied with a ten-point win, or what was that number,
1: or what was that that you had to see, not just a win, but for you to say, okay, that was a good win. Remember, offense versus defense was actually a seventeen-point win. Yep, it's a ten-point game because of a special teams play that is frustrating, but. Return touchdowns, in general, are aberrations. They happen sometimes, and you're frustrated by them. But even for a team that has been the NFL's second worst at allowing punt return touchdowns this year, only Carolina is worse after giving up two to the Colts on Sunday, it's not something that you expect. So offense versus defense, you outscored them 27-10. You had nearly a two to one advantage in total yards, that's fine, yeah,
0: yeah, and to me, honestly, just a win that's all I need. See, I know Ryan was predicting thirty four to ten in this game, so I'm sure he not only was expecting to see a beat down but kind of needed to see a beat
1: down. I think he's right if, if you don't have the punt return and you, you yeah. don't have the booker drop. The booker drop mm-hmm. kind of changed the outlook of that early part of the game, yeah, it did,
0: yeah, it did. Because instead of going down ten zero, Mace, if you start up seven zero in that, or what would have been seven to three, right? At that they've point, they've already
1: scored. But even then, seven three. I don't know if you Detroit's give it-
0: getting a touchdown, <clears throat> or, or yeah, that was even on punt return.
1: So uh, I think they may still get the punt return. Sure, but even then, you feel better at ten uh, seven than ten nothing. That being said, the part of the game that encouraged me the most was what happened when they were down ten nothing and how Drew Locke led them down the field lickety-split. Again, yep. seeing a little adversity, even if it doesn't come from his own play, you want to see how he responds to a deficit, to a bad scenario. The Broncos were down 10 nothing, and it had very little to do with Drew Locke, and it had everything to do with bad coverage, a bad punt, a 4.18 seconds hang time by Colby Wadman, and a drop. And drew Locke just came out there, did his thing i, I it's it was a uh, it was a game plan that kind of told him, okay, we're gonna get around the course in par right that's fine, yep, sometimes that's fine now there are going to be moments where you need to do that, and we do know that he has the club in his bag to push it down the field to try some audacious stuff. He didn't have to sometimes discretion is a better part of valor
0: <laughs> so i'll
1: give him I'll give him credit for that and the positives outweigh the negatives. They do. They but do. I'll say this, even though I'm going to sit here and wait until the final game to offer a judgment. Oh, I can't, judgment. can't
0: wait to hear what you're going to say. Well,
1: that said— <laughs> Say it, Mace. I I feel like—and I said this on the pod yesterday—you can start embracing the notion that you're playing for the off season. That quarterback is going to involve supplementary parts, as in backup, as in mid-to-late round flyer on another young guy to have someone else developing, but you're out of the Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa. Conversation. I love hearing it. It's the, it's that baby that steps, conversation Mace, is done.
0: It's baby steps. I love to hear it. And one of the things you said not not to tip my hand too much on my next question is you said uh, you know he got around by by playing par, but by, by just trying trying to be average. Mace, taking a cumulative look at Drew Locke's four starts, we know he's three and one. That's a pace of twelve and four. Pretty incredible from where this team was. How do you think Drew Locke stacks up? Statistically, compared to other quarterbacks around the league, I know you know most other quarterbacks have a 15 game sample size right now. Drew Locks is only four, but how do you think he fares statistically?
1: Well, I might be able to help you with that one (laughs) because I'm sitting here with the uh oh, you cheated the passer ratings. Yep, well, I did this last night. Yep, I don't just come here and sit around when I'm done. (laughs) All right, passer rating right now is 89.4. So among the 42 quarterbacks with at least 100 plays, that's uh, pass attempts and sacks, that means he is 19th. He's just behind Gardner Minshew and just ahead of Philip Rivers. And, oh, by the way, he is 1.4 passer rating points ahead of
0: Tom Brady. <laughs> there you go.
1: But I think actually – Ahead of Daniel Jones?
0: Yeah. Who's a, who's a rookie?
1: Ahead of Kyler Murray. Ahead of Joe Flacco. Ahead of Brandon Allen. No surprise. Ahead of Jared Goff. Ahead of Jameis Winston. Ahead again, of Josh a, Allen. Ahead of Josh Allen. That's an interesting one right yeah, there. It certainly is. But uh, this doesn't incorporate what they bring on the ground, and so that that's part of the equation as well. Right. Ahead of Kyler Murray. Ahead of Nick Foles. Well ahead of Mitchell Trubisky. So you said there were 42 quarterbacks in that. And he's 19th.
0: So... Just, just. But he's above behind average.
1: Marcus Mariota, which is interesting. <laughs>
0: that is interesting, That's now, di-
1: and that shows you how passer rating can lie.
0: Right. Well, then let's look let's look at a stat that you like to point to: QBR. It's not it's not perfect. Just like passer rating isn't perfect, but companies or encompasses a little more. He is what at a sixty point four, where fifty is average, right? Fifty is supposed to be average, and he's at a sixty point four.
1: Is that total QBR or raw QBR?
0: A uh, total QBR. Okay. That is he that high? He's he's 60.6, sorry. Yes. Yeah, according to uh Pro Football Reference what I'm looking
1: oh, at. Oh, oh, that's raw QBR.
0: Oh, that's raw. Okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, his his total cuz like yesterday there was a huge discrepancy between raw QBR and total Q, QBR for him.
0: Right. There his was. His
1: total QBR for the season is 52.8. That's still above
0: average. Okay, well...
1: um, And by game, it's 43.2, 98.7, 13.4, 51.1.
0: Okay, there you go. Now, I'm going to compare the raw QBRs just to other raw QBRs around the league. And Mace is 60.6, puts him at 14th. Just behind Matt Ryan, Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Fitzpatrick. But he's above and ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyler Murray, Jameis Winston... Aaron Rodgers, so he's doing pretty good in that category. Almost, almost not in the ahead top of 10. Aaron
1: Rodgers in total QBR,
0: <laughs> but sure. not
1: far behind. It's only fifty three point six for Aaron Rodgers. What is interesting, if you go by total QBR, Aaron Rodgers is behind Daniel Jones, is tied with Daniel Jones. See, but that That's means Drew Locke is behind Daniel Jones. He's also behind Tom Brady. <laughs> He's also in total QBR behind Kyler Murray, and again, total QBR incorporates a lot of things situationally. It also incorporates what you do on the ground as well as part of it, and that's one of the reasons why ESPN did that was to better measure the rushing contributions of quarterbacks. Passer rating only measures what you do through the air, and also it tends to be a little bit skewed towards quarterbacks who farewell in completion percentage.
0: Right. Right. Well, and let's talk about completion percentage. Drew lock
1: sixty four point eight percent completion. That's eighteenth among those uh quarterbacks with at least a hundred pass plays. So eighteenth of forty two.
0: Eighteenth of forty two. So above average. He's tied with Dak Prescott. He's he's just behind Joe Flacco just behind Patrick Mahomes, so he's doing just fine in that category. And this may be, honestly, the most important stat for Drew Locke this year because what was probably the biggest knock on him was people saying accuracy is a huge concern. And those a lot of people that think accuracy is a big concern with guys coming out of college— don't think it can be fixed. And that's why it's such a concern for so many people when a guy's not accurate is they say, well, he's going to be like this, and you have to be a 60% passer in the NFL. Well, Drew Locke, and, and Ryan and I talked about this before the game yesterday, Drew Locke is quickly, in a four-game span, proving those people wrong and proving that, yes, it may be difficult to become a better, uh, a more accurate passer, but it's not impossible because at least through four games, that's what Drew's been doing.
1: Well, the question on Drew Locke was, okay, can he carry over what he did late last year to the pros? Because his final completion percentage, his final five games were 75, <laughs> 66.7, 70, 64, and 60.5. For the five games before that, he went... and 55.6. And one thing that always had me questioning Drew Locke was saying, okay, the guy who played well at the end of the year, who had those good completion percentages, who threw 12 touchdowns against two picks in those last five games at Mizzou, is that the real Drew Locke or is that an illusion? Right. What we're seeing, and this is one reason why I'm really encouraged, what we're seeing is that the Drew Locke at the end of his senior season was somebody who turned a corner. And you don't recognize that, unfortunately, until after the fact sometimes. Right. But it looks now, in retrospect, like the Drew Locke at the end of the 2018 season from the Florida game onward, November and then December, and the bowl lost to Oklahoma State, that that was more indicative of who Drew Locke can become as a pro than what he was before then. And if that is the case, then the Broncos will have an absolute steal <laughs> as a second-round yep. quarterback. Yep, yep. That they didn't need to take number 10 overall. <laughs> um, incredible incredible
0: that then John Elway any negativity towards him is gone it is it is gone from the local media it is gone from fans it's gone from the national media it will be gone because he will just have gotten a first round tight end a potential first round guard and without a doubt a first round franchise quarterback
1: you think any negativity is gone I think some of it's going to linger. Because uh, you, I'm saying but, I'm
0: saying if, if Drew Locke is the guy no, and, and I'm, but I'm, you know yeah. that
1: in like a year from now, I'm I think everyone's going to forget. There'll still, still be some irrational people that will say, okay. Well it's still he hasn't, look, it, that Elway is still questionable. Uh,
0: people will probably call him lucky, but Mace, there's probably also some irrational fans out there that yeah. like like you said, still think Tim Tebow should be a quarterback.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <this> <laughs> we is, can't help them. <sighs> uh, and maybe, you have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to accept that okay, maybe I was wrong about this. There are some people who will just dig in and dig in and dig in and not admit they were wrong.
0: Right. Right. It, 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 exactly. And makes the last stat that I want to look at is touchdown percentage because oh. obviously comparing touchdowns isn't isn't fair to Drew right now. He's at four point seven percent. So for every what is it four point seven percent of passes he throws goes for a touchdown. That puts him 14th in the league, at least the, the numbers I'm looking at. That puts him just behind Case Keenum, Jameis Winston, Aaron Rodgers. Puts him ahead of Dak Prescott, Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen. So he's he's fine. He's totally, he's borderline top 10. He's above average. So Mace, looking at all of these numbers, pretty much every single statistical category Drew Locke is above average, close to being top 10 in some, but he's above average in everything. And these are his first
1: four starts. You forgot one stat that I think is really important. Hit me with it. Sack rate. Hmm. Among. That's got to, he's got to be, he's got to benefit from that. Among the 42 quarterbacks with at least 100 pass plays, Drew Locke has the best sack rate in the National Football League, one every 43.7 pass Ooh, plays. How
0: about that? He gets sacked 2.3% of his dropbacks. The next best, the best we're talking about is Drew Brees at 3.3%. So he's actually, a whole percent better. Actually,
1: no, uh, if if we're going by 100 pass plays, the next best is Eli Manning. Okay. One and- every thirty point four. Okay. Best plays. Okay. Drew Brees is one every thirty. Dak Prescott one every twenty nine point two. Pretty good. Pretty darn good. That that that's that's huge.
0: So Macy's the best there. He's above average in every other category. Think How- about that.
1: He's the best. And look what he's got in front of him. He's got Austin, Austin Schlotman, Schlotman and then yesterday Patrick Morris, Jake Rogers. He's had Elijah Wilkinson at right tackle for all but one half that he's played. Connor McGovern was dealing with the
0: flu yesterday. Right. Dalton Reisner was dealing with the flu in the first half when he played yesterday. And Dalton Reisner
1: has been playing on a bum ankle as well the last few games. Yep. And then Garrett Bowles is – Garrett Bowles. By the way, before we move on to the user – to the listener comments and questions, we're going to have to talk about Garrett Bowles a little bit. Let's do it. Okay. But with that in front of him – and oh, by the way – uh, you want uh, to go through another sack rate. Joe Flacco was sacked once <laughs> every 11.1 pass oh plays boy. this year.
0: Talk about That's 36 to
1: 42.
0: You can't function like that.
1: No. You're behind schedule all the time. Yep. Yeah, th- that says so much about his presence. It says a lot about what Rich Gangarello can do in terms of getting him out of the pocket. He's setting him up to get the ball out quickly. So some of this is schematic. Some of it is tactical. Some of it is on Drew Locke's feel for the pass rush. Some of it is also on Drew Locke being fearless, getting the ball away when he's hit. We saw that once yesterday. Yep. But that's the number that, that, that just jumps out to me. Now, what does it mean Historically. Well, I went through quarterbacks that started four games in their first or rookie seasons in the NFL, and that sack rate would put him third all-time in his first three starts since 1982 when sacks became an official stat. The only ones better, and this is one thing where I'll say, okay, this is not necessarily indicative of future success, Coy Detmer. Mm. was sacked once every 71 pass plays for Philadelphia back in 1998. Former CU buff, Coy Detmer. And Derek Carr in 2014 with the Raiders sacked once every 45.3 pass plays. What's interesting about that is if you go down to the bottom of this stat, you know who's dead last? His brother. Yes. (laughs) David Carr with Expansion Houston in 2002 was sacked once every 4.8 pass plays oh. in his first four starts. Oh man, alive! That's bad. Man, that is—that's nearly every series. John Elway's toward the bottom as well. Mm-hmm. In his first four starts, was sacked once every 7.1 times.
0: Wow. So Mace, looking at look, before we talk about Gary Bowles, looking at all these stats, do you feel even more comfortable? And no, no, I'm not—I'm not, I'm not telling—I'm not asking you to crown him right now. But do you feel even more comfortable with Drew looking at what he's done cumulatively through four games than really we did even after each and every game, which we have felt pretty darn comfortable about him after each and every game?
1: Actually, I've had a eureka moment in this podcast. Oh. The eureka moment came when I took a look at those numbers down the stretch in his senior season at Mizzou and then put the production of the last four games that he started here in Denver on top of that.
0: Well, Mace, do I, I have to ask, are you ready to crown him? Long term? Yes. No. Next I... year. You don't need that fifth game anymore, do you? Let's I go. The of clarity. Let's go. Yes! Oh, my gosh. I can't <laughs> believe I'm saying this. Yes. Tulak is a starter in 2020. <laughs> there we go. I'm not saying
1: he's the guy. My standard for the guy Is, is next year. I I see what he does next year, and yep. then I'll talk about whether he's Let's the go. guy. <laughs> he's not there yet. An eighty nine point four passer rating r- right now. That's not the guy level, but he is your starter in twenty twenty. There we go. Welcome aboard, Mason. Oh, what gosh, a merry merry Christmas! But yeah, when I saw those numbers uh, from Mizzou last late last year. And then with the Broncos this year, both in front of me, I did have what alcoholics would call a moment of clarity. (laughs) You know, it's the same – you know what? It's the same feeling I had when in 2007 I saw Matt Ryan throw a last-minute touchdown pass to beat Virginia Tech after getting outside the pocket and throwing across the field. It's the same moment I had watching Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma in 2017. Happened a few times that year. The same feeling and moment that I had watching Russell Wilson for Wisconsin against Nebraska back in 2011 as he diced up the Cornhuskers in what was Nebraska's first Big Ten game ever, by the way, in prime time on Saturday night. So I saw those numbers together, and everything just fell into place. It was serendipity. There's no reason to hold back.
0: I'm
1: I'm getting on the train. Choo-choo. Yes. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Eureka. Hallelujah. Merry Christmas. (laughs) I feel like George Bailey, It's a Wonderful Life. I'm going to go end this podcast, I'm going to start running down the street and I go over to South Gaylord and Merry Christmas, Wash Park Grill. Merry Christmas, Reavers. Merry Christmas, Homegrown Pizza. Merry Christmas, Workout Studio. Oh, I'm there. Hallelujah.
0: What a Merry wow. Christmas. We're all aboard. Oh, man. Just right. in I'm... time. Oh, this feels good, doesn't it, Mace? Doesn't it feel good to see the light? To be on the train as we're rolling down the tracks with nothing stopping us, boy. That all makes me want to crack a breck brew.
1: I I can't believe I'm just you. You witnessed this moment. <laughs> I, I got to I share did. this moment with the people.
0: I can't. I can't wait till we get to share this moment with the people. <laughs> what a fantastic moment, man!
1: <laughs> it hit me. It's funny. Like we're sitting here talking, and I'm looking at these numbers, and they they it just all. Came clear, you know. I think this is how Einstein felt when he completed the theory of relativity.
0: <laughs> that you good, know, huh?
1: Ramanujan when he, you know, had a when he had a brilliant equation. Everything clicked. Yes, it all came into place.
0: <laughs> Man, we're all feeling great now. now. it's not only Victory Monday. It's not only a holiday Monday. It's not only two days away from Christmas, but. We are all aboard the train. Oh, it is awesome, Mason. That makes me want to crack a Breck brew. And the one for today is a Hop Peak Man. This is the perfect Christmas weather beer for you. It is getting cold in a lot of the country. Not here, but this is what you'll want. Make sure you grab a six-pack of this, a 12-pack of this, a sampler, which will have this in it, and bring it over to your Christmas parties, to all of your holiday gatherings this week. And, boy, what a great time. Your Mace is on board. I'm sure he's going to want a hot peek later after this as well. Make sure you check out our good friends at Breckenridge Brewery. We love them. They love us. You love them. They love you. It is everything that this community is about so make sure you check them out and have a fantastic holiday season and mace let's talk to the people and let's do it on the other side of this break
1: if you live in the south metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service extensive beer wine and spirit selections and unbeatable prices look no further than davidson's beer wine and spirits you will not find a more varied inventory anywhere else Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well, because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. Uh, wine, but I find them extremely helpful in ha- helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials. Welcome back to the tent revival edition of the <laughs> DNVR Broncos podcast. Also, the Festivus edition, but you know what, Zach? Things are going so well right now. Three wins in the last four. Oh, by the way, if you even want to take it further, the Broncos are above five hundred since that 0-4 start. How about They're that? They're 6-5. How about 6-5, 3-1 with Drew? And maybe 7-5 if they win on Sunday, <laughs> which I'm going to have a lot of fun with I'm because 7-5 sure is the digits of 75! See, it's all coming together. Again, just like I had that moment of clarity on Drew Lock, I have the moment of clarity thinking the Broncos can get that win that could spoil the Raiders' hopes. A yep. lot has to happen for the Raiders, but they will take the field Sunday with a chance at the postseason. I so think Drew Lock to, to
0: to bring it all full circle on Sunday, I think Drew
1: Locke's going to go 24 of 32. Of course, because he him <laughs> to complete 75% of his passes. I like that. Let's go to the comments. Listen to the people, what they have to share with us here on this holiday week. Let's start with Oklahoma Bronco 58. Mace, I love that your only football jersey is one of the greatest Sooners ever in Leroy Selman. Interesting story about him. On my Little League football team, one of the guys that helped coach us was a grandparent of a kid on the team. This coach was also a retired high school football coach who happened to coach the Selman brothers when they were in high school. Of course, Leroy and Dewey Selman both played together at Oklahoma and also with the Buccaneers. There's another uh, brother, Lucius Selman, mm. who came through that. That's all the Selman info you could possibly have. about that? <laughs> now about the game. Drew is a stud. He's the guy. He's the QB this team has longed for since Peyton left. And I think it's crazy that with a win next Sunday, we could be second in our division, which I think shows the impact of Vic in particular. Also, a note about the O-line and its patchwork today. I think those backups coming in and playing well is really a testament to how good a coach Munchak is. Anyways, I'm stoked about the future of this team and can't wait for the offseason of improvements and seeing this team grow into its potential. Yeah. Great comment on Munchak, by Gr- the way.
0: Absolutely. I was going to say we owe him just a ton of respect. I don't think we, we've we ever doubted him, but, boy, has he really proven his worth.
1: No one's doubted him, but I think the lingering frustration on Garrett Bowles. Mm-hmm. And I don't put that on Munchak. I think, frankly, some of it has to be on Bowles. Did you know, Zach— Of course, he had the holding penalty on Sunday. Holding penalties at home have been a problem for him right now. Over the last 16 games, going back to the week 17 of last year, eight home, eight away, he has 15 holding penalties, 12 at home, three on the road. And even if you take out the one game where he had four holds against the Bears— He's still averaging more than a hold per game, which is unacceptable. Wow. How? Why? Why at home? I have a theory on this, or actually I should say I have a hypothesis on this. Tell me. I think the home crowd and the visceral reaction every time he's called for holding, I think it's in his head.
0: And then it gets to him, and yes. then that's why two plays later, sometimes he has another one.
1: Right. I think sometimes he's trying too hard to avoid it. And sometimes when you focus on that and you end up doing what you're trying to avoid. And I think that's happening with Garrett Bowles, that he gets at home and he's focused on not having the holding penalty and not hearing the boos of the crowd that accompany holding offense Mm -hmm. number 72. Uh. And sometimes when you're trying to climb out of the quicksand – you dig yourself deeper. And I think that's something that's happening with Garrett Bowles. At least he avoided a further penalty, which is a positive sign for him. But that split is alarming.
0: It is. And Mace, to me, when you're saying that, there's one thing that I just can't get out of my head a fresh start. Maybe that's what he needs somewhere else. Trade him. Go down to Atlanta. Go far away. Whoever needs a tackle, maybe even starts off as a swing backup tackle for someone to try to prove himself. But, boy, to me, maybe a fresh start is what he needs.
1: Yeah, I'm starting to think that. Now, I think they'll give him another year. Mm. But I was ruminating on that while driving home last night, and I thought back to Vinny Testaverde in Tampa, the quarterback, For the Bucs from 87 through 92. Former number one overall pick. And. He hit free agency in the spring of 1993. Sam Weich. The Bucs coach at the time. Wanted him back. He felt like in that first year. That he'd worked with Testaverde. After becoming the Bucs head coach. And of course Weich. One of the great quarterback gurus of all time. Felt like he'd made progress with Vinny. Felt like he could get him to another level. But. Testaverde had the chance to go sign with Cleveland even though it meant no guarantee on the starting job because they still had Bernie Kozar at the time and Testaverdi told White something along the lines of I just need to get away from here. I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I need to get away from this environment. It's it's causing me difficulty. It's causing a lot of anguish i want to go somewhere where i can just play without without having the the booze because testaverde of course had 35 interceptions in 1988 still an nfl record Jameis winston would have to have the worst game of all time by the way on sunday to match (laughs) that for you to eat your 10 acorns covered in honey yeah (laughs) and While he reduced the interception count, it's not like he ever got it to where he was only throwing 10 or 12 picks in a season. He'd still throw—like, he'd have a season where he threw 20 touchdowns and 22 picks. And as a result, that climate never changed. And I fear that for Garrett Bowles, the climate here isn't going to change. And I don't think the Broncos will move on from him. I think he will be on the roster in twenty twenty. But I'm kind of with you. When I looked at that home road split, I thought something's going on here that I'm not sure it can be fixed. Maybe you got to get some sports psychologists in, and maybe they can have some work. But something is happening at home because on the road, he's not making these kinds of mistakes. Right. Not at anywhere near the same rate. Right.
0: Yep. Mace's next one's for you. Of
1: course, because our good friend <laughs> Count
0: Locula, the
1: count. I love Dave Logan's call of the Lindsay touchdown, but what in your eyes can make a run turn into a scamper, in quotes, versus just being a run? Can a big hefty back turn a run into a scamper? Or is that term reserved for a shifty back that is fleet of foot? Yeah, love I, the I, count.
0: I, I think I think you need the the shifty fleet of foot. I think it's also kind of when you're scampering into the end zone at the end. Yeah. It, 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 you, you know, you're kind of high stepping into the end. There's into the end zone
1: with a scamper. There's some dodging, ducking, diving, dipping, and dodging, but <laughs> there's also Dodge another Paul. D there's some darting. You're kind of a darting deer. Mm, wow. And keep going with the D's. I, th- yeah, that's, I wonder why <laughs> patches <laughs> O'Houlihan didn't use darting. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a, an error in the character, an error in the <laughs> screenplay. Uh, <laughs> Because it could have been the 60s because <laughs> yes. you could still could do dodge twice. Uh-huh. But, yes, it's a smaller back that's cutting back. I, I think back to some bigger backs. I'm not saying big in terms of being bulky like Jerome Bettis, but I think back to like a tall, long stride back like Eric Dickerson back in the day. Hmm. Eric Dickerson, he had speed, but he didn't scamper right. when he got into the open field. right. Scampering is Philip Lindsay. Clinton Portis, I don't think he scampered. No. And no. now he wasn't a huge back, but he's bigger than Philip Lindsay is. Right. Willis McGahee didn't scamper.
0: Does Christian McCaffrey scamper?
1: Yes. I think he can, yeah. I think he scampers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. By the way, we we talked a little bit about this in the press box. I wonder at what point in the his career the Panthers had the conversation with him about being a full-time wide receiver. Yeah, Because he could be a 16- to 18-year contributor, but it may be like the catcher moving to first or third base or DH midway through his career in baseball. They say, hey, you got a phenomenal bat. We want to make sure it's still in the lineup, mm-hmm. but you're not going to endure in, our, in the lineup if you keep having to go squat behind home plate for nine innings every day. How many more years? I think that conversation happens in three or four more years.
0: Yep, I think so too. And that'd be wise.
1: Yeah. Because he's got the skill set to be a wide receiver, and I think he'd be very effective there. Just a catch machine.
0: What, three straight 100-catch seasons? Yeah,
1: amazing. That's insane. And
0: that he's productive wild. when
1: he gets the ball. It's not just that he's a catch monster. He's making plays right. happen when he gets it as well. Imagine what he could do with stability at the quarterback position. Oh, boy. Oh because boy. he hasn't had that. He, he only really got uh, basically, what, one year yep. of good cam. Yep. 2017. Yep. Before the injury started catching up with him, and Will Greer, man, I watched some of that performance. He was awful. Yeah,
0: he did not get it done.
1: And remember, Marty Herney had Will Greer graded higher than Kyler Murray.
0: No, that's not a very good look.
1: Which is uh, part of why Marty Herney's going to be, as I said, in office space. Like, Samir, not going not to not work here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not immediately, but I don't think Marty Herney makes it long past the draft. Yeah. In Carolina. Yeah. Big changes are coming. In Charlotte. Yeah.
0: Next one coming in from DJC151. Mace, come to the Drew train. We have cake and swag. One of us. One of us. One of us. Don't well, need
1: the swag, but I'll take the cake. i got enough of the zoo swag anyway.
0: <laughs> it's true. He's on board. Two, The Mandalorian definitely feels like it has better character development and script writing than any of the last three movies. And who doesn't love y- Baby Yoda?
1: Of course, you can develop it a little more when— you have the space to tell a story when you have eight episodes that are what an average of thirty-five minutes a shot. Yeah. So you've got basically four hours worth of storytelling. Yeah. There are cl- close to it.
0: Yeah, that's way longer than to the get movie. this
1: thing. Or actually, more than four hours, I would say, to to get this thing right. And I felt like if, another criticism I have I had of. The Rise of Skywalker, and I enjoyed it emotionally, don't get me wrong, but I did feel like they were trying to cram 10 pounds into a 5-pound bag. Mm-hmm. You know how in Harry Potter, they they split the last story in the series into yep. two? Yeah. That would have been advisable for The Rise of Skywalker. That's crazy that they didn't jump on that. I'm surprised they didn't. Part of it is because I think they're they have the fidelity to the 9-episode arc, but – this is one where I think it would have been advisable to do the film one big movie at the same time and do, and have a nice end point to the first one and then go to the second one and say have part one of episode nine come out right now and part two of episode nine come out in June, right. May. I think that might have been advisable because it just felt too rushed at times. Yeah, and the Mandalorian it it's not moving slowly it it but it moves at a steady pace. But I feel like every the characters and the story have an opportunity to breathe. Right, that you can have quieter moments. You can have Mando sitting with the child. That's technically what baby everyone calls him Baby Yoda because he's Yoda's species. But the character is called is the child. So you have Mando and the child that are sitting in his cockpit and. The child is kind of playing with the knobs and all that and you see you you watch Mando evolve from being annoyed to embracing the playfulness of his new companion.
0: I had no idea that's where baby Yoda came from was a Mandalorian. I've just been seeing it all over my social media. It's
1: the meme to end all memes. <laughs> it is. But there's no merchandising for it because they didn't expect this and they kind of wanted it to be a surprise. So I'm 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 waiting for a few months from now when I can have the little Funko Pop doll of
0: <laughs>
1: the child sitting on my desk downstairs. Hey, yep,
0: you're going to have to get a bobblehead of that. Oh, uh, he will. goes
1: on. Three, got
0: food poisoning last week, and that was definitely the worst I've felt since I had pneumonia when I was nine. Jeez, oh, hope
1: you're feeling better. I hope you are too. That's the worst. I had that uh, earlier this year. and Ugh. Uh, Man, uh, not pleasant. No, that sounds awful. Four, I'm...
0: 75% sure that we will smoke the Raiders 28-17 to because they will reach a level of suckage next Sunday I haven't seen since, since Shane Footsteps Flacco put his first game of the lockout scab season for the Washington Sentinels. Let's hope Drew continues like Flacco did in the end of that season. LOL. Genghis Khan. Q line to I will
1: survive. As Shane F- Falco said, pain heals, chicks dig scars glory lasts
0: forever <laughs> he continues says also just in case y'all don't do a christmas eve pod i wish I everyone a merry christmas and happy holidays i love y'all and i'm so thankful for this family of dn well
1: we are doing a christmas <laughs> eve pod we'll be recording it on tuesday morning we're taking christmas day off yes so our podcast schedule this week we have today is of course the festivus pod Not many grievances to air when things are going so well for the Broncos. (laughs) A Christmas Eve pod. They're recording Tuesday morning, and then we're back on what they call in the Commonwealth Boxing Day. Yep, It's a very big day on the soccer schedule in Britain, by the way.
0: Isn't it also like uh, Canada's Black Friday? I think in terms of shopping, it's very
1: similar. After Christmas. Interesting. Yep. Yep, the day after. Wow. Fascinating. But yeah, it's, it's boxing day Thursday. And then Friday, it's just the 27th. (laughs) Nothing at all. Next one from Iceman. Hey, friends, with a very
0: good cost control quarterback, I want a tackle that can play left and right almost equally good with our first pick. The second pick, no matter if it is back in the first round or not, I want the same type of guard. With the third pick, I want a real center. Connor can remain as a swing guard and backup center. Mike Munchak also needs depth to succeed. Mace, we got the answer of how Drew would respond to KC sweep last week. Go Broncos, go
1: Drew, end the Raiders' season go zoomies I like McGovern staying as a starter I do too But plugging him as a guard
0: I think he would be gone after this year if he was a backup
1: Yeah let me give you this scenario it was something that kind of hit me overnight responding to somebody on Twitter What if the Broncos let's say they can't get Andrew Thomas or Tristan Works and as far as the the tackle that can go left and right it's probably worse because he projects as a left, but he's playing right. Right. So let's say you can't get either of them. What do you say to trading down a few picks and it getting an extra second rounder? Then, say you're picking somewhere in the early 20s, all right? Maybe you pick LaVisca Cheneau. Maybe you pick Tyler Biotish, okay. the center from Wisconsin. But now you're sitting on that extra two, and you still – that means you have two twos and two threes. So take one of those twos and take a three and move back up into round one and get whichever one of LaVisca or Beattis that you didn't get with your first-round pick that you traded down in the 20s for. Yeah. And then you target tackle on day two. That's de- where I thought you were going with this. With developmental tackles that maybe don't have to be ready to play in, in year one. Garrett Bowles, then you don't pick up the fifth-year option. Jawan James, you're saying, okay, kid, get healthy. That second, maybe you pick a tackle in round two, and if you have to play him for Jawan James, you do. But you're making your 2021 plan with some of those with those picks. Uh. So, so you would have, by this plan, Zach, you'd have, a second round, you'd have two firsts, which we've already used. A second round pick, two thirds, and then your fourth round picks. And I'm saying of the, that, that cluster of picks, two of those are tackles. Yes. It's again. Fine. This is if Wurfs doesn't drop.
0: Right, right, and, and that—that's what's tough. Is if these are your only options,
1: you might get, be able to you get. You know, you know, oh, one like with the you know, from Auburn, he might be sitting there in round two.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know I don't like it because I, I want that tackle spot filled correctly, and the Broncos have done tackle but you, don't incorrectly you trust, for so long. But don't
1: you trust Mike Munchak? If and, Munch says, hey, I like this guy in round two, I like this guy in round three or four, if you give me a year teaching him, I can make him into a quality tackle. Without, this is what without you hired Mike Munchak for. To, yep. d- to develop. Yep, without a doubt. And, and Mace, that,
0: that's, that's really the only thing that keeps me from saying absolutely not. I still don't like it, but Mace, if, if I were to know that that was the dynamic, that John Elway said, Mike, who do you want? And Mike said, you know what? I'm okay with taking a guy late in the first, early in the second. This is the guy. Then I love the plan. What should happen this offseason knowing that we all think Drew's the guy for next year? is John Elway's first priority, first priority, should be helping Drew Locke with offensive line as much as he can. And that starts and ends by saying, Mike, I have a ton of cap room. I have a ton of picks. You tell me. He, John brings them all to the table and says, you tell me what you need. You get whatever you need. If it's $40 million in free agency, if it's a first and a second and a third round pick, you get it all. And then I love it.
1: If Munch says he wants to go free agency, that's fine. But maybe he wants to develop. And in that case, even though it means you're going short-term plan, long-term plan at tackle, and they're kind of on parallel paths. That first-round pick of, say, LaVisca or maybe a Jalen Rager if you're going for the speed guy, and maybe you can get him early in round two as well. But first two picks of Biotish and LaVisca or Rager, that's really helping Drew Locke. And then picking tackle later on if Werfs or Thomas don't fall to to you with that first-round pick that you have, that's helping Drew Locke. That that is a Drew Locke-centric draft right Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. Because you're giving him another receiving target, and you're giving him a guy who can be a center for the next decade.
0: Yep, I'm down for whatever that Mike Munchak signs off on. So All that's right. going to be hard for us to tell, but that that's what I'm down
1: Munch for. Munch will keep his cards close to the vest on that yes, one. Yes, he will. Missouri Bronco, guys, I'm skiing in Wyoming after Christmas, and my family and I will be in town for the game. So excited. Hopefully we can find some tickets. There are plenty out there. I think you'll be good. Yes. But no matter what, I'm coming by lot In
0: Hope right to on. see
1: you three and more dnvr fam i'll also be buying drew's jersey maybe Mason and i can buy ours together if he hops on the train
0: i cover the team
1: i don't wear broncos jerseys. in fact i don't even wear the the bucks jersey i have a leroy selming jersey i don't wear football jerseys at this point in my life sorry we'll only be in denver for a day so could you locals give me a suggestion to take my family somewhere cool and unique thanks go dnvr we'll pop that in the comments uh, of this podcast dnvr fam help Help him out. Give him some good su- suggestions.
0: My one quick suggestion would be going to My Brother's Bar. I know Mace is also a fan. Uh, it, it doesn't have a sign outside, so you gotta look it up. It is in downtown. And when you, when you do it, there's like Brother's Bar, uh, is it the other things that are close to it? Make sure you go to My Brother's Bar. It's right by REI downtown. Make sure you do not go on Sunday though. If you're there for a day, hopefully it's either Saturday or Monday because they're closed on Sundays. All right, next one coming in from Dan Burke. What did y'all make of that piece of information that Mike Clis dropped before the Lions game? The Broncos and Lions explored a Chris Harris for Darius slave trade, but the Lions were asking for too much on top, so it never materialized. The, and, that and, was in floating this, around
1: months ago, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was. Yeah, uh, according not, to Mike, really, it was right before the trade deadline. Yeah,
1: it's not really news. That was floating around around the deadline. Right. I'd heard about that.
0: Right. What do you think of that? Meh. I'll tell you what. Darius Slay was impressive yesterday. He impressed me. He covered Cortland Sutton, had two PBUs on him in, in clutch time. That
1: that was an impressive performance. I don't know why they'd let, let him go um, right. if and I'm that, Detroit. And what is interesting about the Lions is that they have had success containing number one wide receivers. It did not surprise me that they, they shut down Cortland Sutton. Right, They've stopped number ones, and they've done a good job with number two wide receivers. It's where you get to the three and four that that are a concern. So really for the Broncos, their number one and number two are Cortland Sutton and Noah Fan, for all intents and purposes.
0: Yes, 100%. But then
1: number three and number four were Tim Patrick, Deshaun Hamilton, and they had big days. Yep. Pig Tosser 66, happy holidays, fellas. The game yesterday was so different than what we are used to seeing. The first three drives were all derailed by O-line penalties. What's new? so we were struggling to get any drives going early. In the past, this would set the tone for the entire game, and our offense would not be able to snap out of it. Those days are gone. Locke is making everyone around him better. His confidence is rubbing off on the entire team. That is definitely what is standing out to me the most. The kid is our franchise QB. You guys had great takes all week with the importance of this game for him, and he nailed it. going to end with my thought that Locke dropping to the second round of the draft is the best thing that could have happened. That chip on someone's shoulder is a very powerful thing, and when you add to someone who already has the right attitude and personality, it can push them to be great. Can't wait to see where this takes us, boys. I know I've got my seat on the train.
0: <laughs> and now one other seat is full, obviously, with Mace joining us. And, and Pigtoster66, it's a, it's a great point. Drew's the person that embraced that true underdog, you don't believe in me role. Where other, other people may get upset, maybe pissed about it, Drew wasn't at all he he wasn't so very good point now got to add to that the broncos got so freaking lucky oh, i mean yes. cuz they passed on him 3 times so yeah they got very lucky
1: and the fact they were able to pull off the trade
0: with the bengals yep yeah it it was all luck it was not that that was not a plan that was
1: oh okay luck but luck is involved with any yeah roster construction that works unless you have the number one overall pick then yeah luck
0: is involved in, in, in all of the draft. this just involves a lot more luck than other teams need to get their franchise
1: quarterback this is true bronco matt hey guys so a new week and new win feels good i'll admit i was doom and gloom last week casey brings out the very worst of me of my hate for them run it runs so deep My greatest joy would be to see them lose again in the playoffs. Ontelok, I love this guy's post-game interviews. I am right on the edge of buying his jersey. Last bit here. Will special teams coach Tom McMahon have a job next year? Lastly, thank you for hanging in with us, fans. For the lows and highs, looking forward to listening to every off-season podcast. Thank you, Bronco Matt. Look forward to having you riding with us. Happy holidays to you. Really appreciate that.
0: Absolutely, Tom McMahon,
1: ask not for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee.
0: <laughs> Mace, I do think Tom McMahon will have a job next year. It's not with the Broncos. Exactly. Yeah these, <laughs> yeah,
1: these assistant coaches, they get recycled. I'm sure Tom McMahon will be somewhere, but uh, barring some shocking developments in the next week, I do not think it will be with the Denver Broncos.
0: I would agree. I would agree. Next one coming in from Nick Sticks. Gentlemen, only Seinfeld fans will understand my comments. So that means I won't understand this comment. Mace will. Do you want
1: me to read it? Sure. Because there's a way to do it. <laughs> Yes. With Fespa's right around the corner, I'm going to begin with my airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people, and now you're going to hear about it. Mace, your hesitancy to get on the Drew Lock train is driving me nuts. He is the guy. The players <laughs> love him, and they say they all know he's special. He passes the eye test, and he's showing the ability to make great throws and win games. Next up, wait, I lost my train of thought. Time for feats of strength. Mace. Festivus isn't over until you wrestle with the notion of Locke being the guy and you pin your reservations to the ground. We want answers. Okay. (laughs) He's the starter for 2020. There we go. I'm not saying he's the guy. The guy is another level entirely. Mason, it's, it's
0: all we're asking. We're just asking yeah. for you to say he's the guy for next year. Every and team has a
1: quarterback. Not every <laughs> team has the guy. Right. Well, we're happy that you're taking this next step with us. Thank you. Thank you. And Nick says, in all seriousness, I'm very pleased with the play of Locke and I'm happy to see what the future holds. Should be an exciting offseason. Merry Christmas, guys. Nick. No
0: one. Can't be excited about what Locks doing. And Merry Christmas to you as well, Nick. Thank you so much for chiming in. This is a good time to tell you guys about the family that we're building here. Mace, it was so cool at the tailgate yesterday to meet so many people, see so many people that have come around the tailgate Already, I mean, there's too many people to mention. We already, we, we, we gave a shout out yesterday to Bobby Boucher and his family. It's so cool that, you know, we have individuals, young and old, join us. We have, we have Iceman. We have, you know, kids in high school that are with us. And it's so cool to also have families like Bobby Boucher from Arkansas. They came all the way from Arkansas, Mace to join our tailgate yesterday and go to the broncos game it is so cool to see that to meet all of you guys and it really is an awesome family and community we have and we want to just grow this thing as big as possible because it's it's a friendly place it's a safe space online where and you can't really find that especially talking sports so make sure that you guys roll with us we still have our holiday deal going on if you want to get in with us and you get two free t-shirts with that you get to be part of this family you get to all these questions and comments for us every single day. And let me tell you, these questions are only going to pick up in two weeks when the off season begins. And we're going to have a bunch of fun with that. And you get to support us. You get to support local journalism. So we would really appreciate you guys rolling with us. It is so cool to hear from all of you uh, and see all of you at, at these events we have. And speaking of supporting local businesses. We're super excited to tell you about Denver Rubber Company. And it may not be what you think it is. Since 1972, Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your projects. They've provided the highest quality of products from custom die cut gaskets, molded rubber to, con- to custom contract manufacturing and custom hoses. And guess what? Snow is coming. And you know we've already had a taste of it. You'll need Denver Rubber Company when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to size and pre-slot most snow plow rubber. The blades can be cut to any length and slotted for mounting to meet your exact specifications. We went and checked out their warehouse a few weeks back, and let me tell you, it was nothing short of amazing. These guys have created proprietary materials that make up the inside of wind turbine blades, and we even witnessed machines that can cut material that are used in bulletproof vests. Remember... Denver Rubber Company custom makes it all, and you can purchase products for yourself and, of course, buy bulk at a fantastic rate. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people, just like us here at DNVR. So make sure to call them today for any snow plow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR and make sure to tell them that DNVR sent you. All right, Mace. Let's hear from the
1: wonderful people. Let's keep hearing from them. Yes, J3Bronco. Boys, first-time commenter, long-time listener, new subscriber, welcome.
0: Welcome. Thank
1: you. I'm addicted to this podcast. I have other podcasts that directly help me professionally that are being neglected because I can't (laughs) quit you. (laughs) Keep up the great work, and Mace, you're my hero. Oh, Oh, here we go. Oh, thank you.
0: (laughs) Merry Christmas to you,
1: too. And happy Festivus. (laughs) So excited to see things trending upwards. I agree that we haven't seen enough from number three to put him in a gold jacket yet, but I am cautiously optimistic. He led the team well yesterday, and I think that he had all the important bounce back that we see out of him. Quick question slash observation. With all the injuries to our O-line yesterday and yet no sacks, does that point to Munchak having more influence over younger, more moldable players? If so, what influence does that have on our offseason strategy? Thanks, guys. And I'd have to say that if there was a drinking game to be played with this pod, the phrases would be kick the can down the road or, yes, cost-controlled quarterback. <laughs> P.S. The game looked great on my new inch TV. You know what? That's that's a good question about Munchak's strategy. And I think it just goes right hand-in-hand, hand, Zach, with what we were just talking about in regards to whether you go free agency or the draft. What does Munchak want to do? I suspect – he probably wants to grow and develop younger offensive linemen. That's so my too. hunch.
0: I think, I think so too, Mace. And that's why you may see one taken in the first round. You may see two taken in the first three rounds. And even if they take two in the first three rounds, you still may see uh, another one or another two added on day three, especially if they keep all 12 picks or they have 10 picks.
1: I'd be very happy with three offensive linemen from rounds one through four.
0: I would too. I'd be thrilled. I think Mike would be thrilled as well. Next one coming in from Logan. Hey guys, I have two quick questions. One, is Deontay Spencer the best returner the Broncos have had since Trendon Holiday or beyond?
1: Yes, even though Jordan Norwood did have the Super Bowl record punt return back in Super Bowl 50.
0: Okay, He's always pointed to and that is always pointed to and I always pull my hair out because what else did Jordan Norwood do as a punt returner?
1: Well, the other thing is that Jordan Norwood did not have at that point in his football life the speed that he once had because he'd had some knee problems over the years. And he took advantage of a little bit of a lucky break. Some you know, some interesting timing in terms of how that play developed and took off. But that doesn't mean he was a great consistent returner. (laughs) Yeah, you'd have to say Trenton Holiday. Trenton Holiday was the last returner that made you pay attention. Yeah. That made yeah, you're not you,
0: taking bathroom breaks. When right. You
1: know, you, or, ordinarily, you would kind of extend that bathroom break for the <laughs> punt or the kickoff. You didn't do it with Trinidad Holiday. You might see the most amazing moment. No. Deontay Spencer, he's not Trinidad Holiday in terms of the boom or bust, but he's more reliable at protecting the football than Trinidad Holiday is in – he does have some explosive qualities.
0: Yeah, I so yes, I agree too with the idea of the Broncos possibly looking at Levy on Bell if he becomes available. Would you also consider David Johnson as someone the Broncos should look at if available? Both contracts are similar money wise. I really like Royce, but I feel like we are limited in the pass game with his lack of burst. Thanks, fellas, and
1: Godspeed. I love David Johnson. The you price like him next would have year, to be right? Right. And I think we talked about the offensive line and other things you want to do. I'm not sure that's something that uh, you could get away with at this point.
0: Yeah, I, I'd rather go young at that position because then you have Phil to pair him
1: with. They'll pick a running back at some point in the first four rounds. That's another prediction.
0: What's really interesting is I – I like that, Mace, by the way. I – don't think that you're pointing at Royce Freeman and saying we need to upgrade him because of the pass game doesn't have explosion. Philip Lindsay needs to be that explosion in the pass game coming out of the backfield. So I put that on Phil. But in terms of the run game, I think you just need more from Royce. I mean, he had a Royce game yesterday. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I know he averaged 3.1 yards per carry, and that's kind of what Royce has turned into uh, here recently. You need more than that in the run game. All right, next one coming in from Wilma Fingerdo. Hey, boys, just wanted to bring something up. Vic said earlier in the week that it would be nice to get Phil to a thousand yards. Not that they would make it a focal point, but it would be nice. And I'm just wondering if there's a correlation between our team's offensive success yesterday and the attempt to get Phil more touches. Also, the coaches always claim the fans don't understand certain nuances of the game, but I think the opposite was on display yesterday. Fans always wanted to see Drew. We all w- we all wanted them to feed Phil, and we. All wanted to see some variety in our underperforming offensive line. Sunday, we saw all of that, and we saw our second-highest point production. Thanks again, dudes. Go Broncos. Good stuff. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, we are the smart ones this time around, aren't we? The fans, the media.
1: <laughs> we all wanted to see more film. We all wanted to see Drew Locke earlier. Yep. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say something, but nah. To to <laughs> and now we're going to get comments about that. Oh, Mace, what do you want to say? Uh, it's a long story. It's a long story. <laughs> Holy water. Love seeing the Broncos have what I can only describe as a honey badger-esque day on the field. Injuries all over. Don't care. Mm. One fourth of the team has the flu. Don't care. Playing from behind. Don't care. Slay trying to scare you from throwing his way. Don't care. Lindsey getting shaded by explosiveness. Don't care. Three-fifths backup offensive line. Don't care. The skill positions are sophomores. Don't care. Just went out and performed. Loved it. Love the coverage. Keep crushing it, guys. P.S. What kind of dirt do you think McMahon has on whomever to still have a job? I don't think it's dirt. I mean, he's in his second year on the job. Yeah. And Vic Fangio came in, retained him after Vance Joseph got fired. Special teams, if it works, it's kind of operating independent Of everything else.
0: Yeah.
1: It's not dirt. I think the question is, why does he keep throwing Colby Wadman out there? That's the big, (laughs) big thing.
0: Yeah, he's going to die on on that. And here's the thing. Ask that question in – Eight days, Holy Atwater, because if he still has a job, then maybe there's something. But right now, they're just – it's a veteran coach just letting another veteran coach live out the season because he knows that special teams isn't going to get drastically better if you fire him midseason. Right. Next one coming in from Kai Olsen. He says, hey, guys, I heard something interesting, some interesting commentary on Chris Harris Jr. while listening to the PFF podcast. Podcast pod, Is podcast political me okay, right? You guys will always be Bay. <laughs> Thanks, guy. Anyway, they stated that despite his grades dropping from elite to just good this year, they still consider him an elite corner. Strength of opponent is not factored into PFF grades, but Steve Palazzo dug through the numbers and looked at the average season-long grade of the receivers Chris Harris Jr. has been in primary coverage on. He found that in 2019 has been the most difficult year of Chris's career by a decent margin. They also discussed the unique role of Chris's playing in the secondary this year. They were staggering, they were staggered how much true one versus one coverage he was playing on opposing number one receivers. They said that historically, even the best corners see a healthy rotation in who they cover during a game. Sam Monson said this was probably due to how weak Denver's number two corners have been. He went on to say that he thought Chris Harris Jr. was playing the Highest percentage of snaps versus true number one versus man coverage versus opposing number one's wide receivers that a corner has played since Daryl Revis in 2009. I'm curious if you guys feel like this has been Chris's most challenging season. Also, is the vibe around the locker room that Chris would want to stay if offered a competitive contract? Well, I think that's a a really good question and really good points, Kai. And uh, Chris himself has been saying this. Of course, not pointing to PFF, but... Chris is a confident guy. Yeah, He's going to tell us exactly how he feels. He's going to tell us the truth, exactly what's going on. And he has not been shy this year to really make a point that he is facing kind of the most difficult schedule that he's ever gone against. And on top of that, he's also called out, the, the, the indirectly called out the number two cornerbacks and, and has said, I take on such a bigger role this year than I ever have.
1: Well, and the other thing you have to consider with Chris Harris Jr., Look at his career. He played with Champ Bailey at the start of his career. Then he had to keep to Talib. And Bradley right. Roby, maligned as he was, is a better cornerback in terms of more consistent number two cornerback than the Broncos have on the roster right now. Yep. So everything changed for him. Yeah. I think he's had a, a good season. Maybe it's not up to his standards, but I think he's had a good season.
0: I think so too. Now, Mace, I think when we talked to Chris last week, he kind of gave a parting shot. Uh, he was asked, how many holes are there? Or what's the most important hole left on the Broncos team? And he said, hole? One? Oh, we have multiple holes to right. fill. And to me, that was Chris, you know, kind of a parting shot. It was him saying, I don't think I'm going to be here next year. Yeah. Or else why would you say that?
1: Yeah. Very true. Very
0: true. So I don't think he's going to be here. Yeah. Yet.
1: Andrew oh, message of hope for Broncos country. I think <laughs> that everyone is anointing the Chiefs too early. People want to say that they will own this division for the next decade, and I couldn't disagree more. They have a top 10 quarterback, potentially, but it cannot go that They have had this cost-controlled quarterback and still haven't been able to put it all together. They wasted their window by not winning it all the last two years, and yes, they will fall short of a Super Bowl again in Foxborough or Baltimore this year. I don't know about that. That's just Mace talking. They have a terrible cap situation next year, $23 million over, according to Track. and as before, they write a blank check to Mahomes. They finally have... Respectable defense for once, but they are losing their CB1, CB2, and CB3, two starting inside linebackers, a starting defensive end, and arguably the best pass rusher on their team, Chris Jones, to free agency next year. There will be more cap casualties, to include Sammy Watkins. I think that Mahomes has been the beneficiary of an uber-talented supporting cast and a genius play caller. Andy Reid is a cheeseburger away from retiring, and who knows if Tyreek (laughs) will even be a free man come 2020, given his off-the-field issues and Kelsey has more years behind him. And in front of them. Bottom line: trend, Denver is trending up, and KC is trending down. We should all pull for them to fall short of a Super Bowl again this year, and play for, pray for a record contract for Mahomes this off season. The Broncos will win the division next year, and you heard it here first. One question, Mace: proverbial gun to your head. Which team do you love more, Broncos or Bucks? <laughs> easy, the Bucks. Hey, easy. I have the love of a fan for the Bucks. I don't have it for the Broncos. Right. I just don't. That's what you. That's what you grew up with, Mace. Yeah. So it's it's not a question. So. And also, I think, frankly, working for the Broncos, you see how the sausage is made. Yeah, and that'll do. chase the love out of you uh, if you will. had it. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, it was, you know, I, I, I enjoy covering the team, but it was a place I worked.
0: Right. Right. Very, very fair. Very, very so, fair.
1: I, I admire the optimism, Andrew O. And I do. Yes, the cap is going to cause them some problems. In terms
0: of – yeah, in terms of all that though, Mace, will they still have Patrick Mahomes next year?
1: Of course they will. So,
0: so. then, yeah, there's still going to be an issue to deal with. And
1: uh, they uh. can kick that can down the road a little bit, drink.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that hot peak IPA. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> Let's see also in terms – like where can they make some room? Like like Sammy Watkins, they would have $7 million of dead money, but they can create $14 million of cap space.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. yes. The the Chiefs this may be their best chance for a Super Bowl this year yes. for you know the foreseeable future. But they're still going to have Patrick Mahomes. They're still going to be in the, the the championship window, and so that of course means they're still going to be extremely competitive in the AFC West.
1: Yeah, and actually, um, yeah, yeah over the cap hasn't projected it. My bad, twenty one million of cap space right now. Okay. Yeah. So I think what they'll do is they'll kick the Mahomes can down the road a little bit. Uh, Kind of backload some of that, maybe give him some signing, give him an extension for next year, but kick a lot of it into 2023, 2024, perhaps when they're expecting a big bump.
0: Yeah, it would make sense to sign him up now.
1: And uh, I think Sammy Watkins has been a good player for them, but I think they expect more from Nicole Hardman next year. Yep, they may move him up and uh, move on from Watkins and get that 14 million of space and maybe try to use that toward perhaps Chris Jones.
0: Yep, without a doubt. Him,
1: or or those guys in the secondary. But they've, they're going to lose some people. Yes. So they got to nail this draft.
0: Yes, they will. Next one from Orange and Blue Stew. My guys, that was fun. Not Houston fun, but a more grounded, using our depth to take care of business kind of fun. Going down 10, I felt more comfortable than I have most of the last few years than we could come back to win. Three stats stuck out to me today. Zero sacks, zero interceptions. Youngest starting offense in the league. The last one particularly gets me excited. Since Drew came in, it looks like we have the building blocks of an offense that can be competitive for years to come. And on the other side, a defense that our head coach can make top five next season. Complimentary football is coming to Denver. Merry Christmas and a happy new year.
1: Good stuff. I like the optimism. And yes, if the defense does get up to a higher level, you are trying to compliment it, but I still want this offense to take some risks to not assume the defense is going to carry it. And actually, what's interesting is the defense—the guys talking in the locker room talked about how the offense kind of carried him yesterday, even though they held the Lions below 200 yards. Yep. Interesting stuff.
0: I think it's going to be the opposite. I think maybe just even next year, the defense is going to be complementing the offense.
1: I hope so, and that means more takeaways. If you have an effective offense, right. a good complementary defense involves takeaways and explosive plays, sacks in particular. Yep. So, Pismo Beach Broncos 07. Very happy we got the win, and I don't want to be a wet blanket, but oh, no. this offense still has a long way to go. Oh, Remember, this was the Lions we just beat, not the Patriots. I still want to see Drew take more vertical shots. I say the need for another playmaker outside at number one is the number one priority. Pardon me. I know Deshaun has best game in a while, but he clearly isn't the answer opposite Sutton. By the way, where was Fant yesterday? I hope the Raiders are still in position to make the playoffs by kickoff and we send them home crying next week. Go Broncos. Well, they will still be in that playoff position thanks to the NFL, which manipulated the schedule to have the other relevant games kicking off at the same time as Raiders-Broncos. So you've got Steelers-Ravens, Texans-Titans, Colts-Jaguars, and Raiders-Broncos all kicking off at 2.25 p.m mountain time
0: i love that and mace you called that that was going to happen so great great call there man i love that the broncos get to play spoilers they get a chance to knock the raiders out of the playoffs go to four and one with drew lock have a winning record after starting 0 and four there is so much optimism that this is going to be one of the most exciting teams in the off season to cover, to cover without a doubt without a
1: doubt and on that note— We don't have to talk as much quarterback. We will talk yes. quarterbacks, but we're talking different quarterbacks in the offseason. And we're talking about Drew Locke's
0: next steps, not if he can take a step. And
1: we're talking quarterbacks that can either help him or be developed behind him.
0: Yep, yep. It's a different discussion. What a good change. What a good change. It, it, it's going to be bizarre covering a team that has their guy at least for one year. And we're going to have a whole off season talking about that. I have simply never covered a team like that, Mace. That is wild that this is my fourth season covering the Broncos, and I've never known who the starting quarterback was from the beginning or from the end of one season until the start of the next.
1: At least I won't have to be on vacation in December walking around Key West, where I learned that the Broncos have traded for a mediocre veteran quarterback. <laughs>
0: yes.
1: That won't happen again. Yay!
0: It won't happen. And man, Mace, welcome aboard. What a day in you, the DNVR you Broncos country. wore down my
1: resistance. Although, <laughs> I'll say, with all respect to everybody, you know me. I'm a numbers guy. And it was just seeing the numbers in front of me. That's what did it. And my eyes. <laughs> eyes deceive the eye test does matter but eyes can deceive yep i'm a data guy
0: <laughs> there we go and for the data guy i'm zach stevens
1: thank you guys so much for rolling with us have
0: a fantastic start to your holiday week enjoy victory monday we'll be back with you tomorrow to just celebrate the holiday celebrate drew lock celebrate the broncos momentum even more so have a fantastic monday but before we let you go As you guys may or may not know, taking care of your teeth is pretty darn important. And our friends at Green Mountain Dental Group are giving away a free Sonicare when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. So check them out today online or call at 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. That's Green Mountain Dental. All right, you guys have a fantastic Monday.